Welcome back everyone to another episode of Aquatic Mentors and today we are going to be speaking to a woman with over 20 years of experience in the aquatic industry and in her role as an aquatic course presenter she trains candidates in a number of fields including pool lifeguard, CPR, advanced first aid and swim teacher qualifications. In 2015, she won both the Queensland Oswim Presenter of the Year and the National Oswim Presenter of the Year. So I'm excited to share her story and to find out more about what drives her to succeed. So let's jump straight in with our lovely guest, Lisa Rolls. And Lisa, we know each other through the lifeguarding course that I did with you last year now, but I'd love to find out how you started your journey in swimming. So I guess back in the day, I actually started swimming because I had a, a bad knee growing up as a kid and I guess it was kind of on doctor's orders and, and advice that I started swimming for that low impact sport. So I started training was at the very, very lowest level because swimming wasn't my forte. I actually remember swimming lessons and God love him at Tony Shore at Turngabby because that's where I was brought up. And I remember the red rattlers at the back of that swimming pool in the big tin shed that we used to do swimming lessons in. And I hated swimming, hated it with a passion. And here I am, you know, 30 plus years later, I've made a career out of it. But anyway, so I started at that late age of 12 and ended up swimming with David Wick at McCready Park. And I guess I moved through my first squad that way. And then, yeah, moved young in country New South Wales and I was at, at nationals by the age of 14 so just one of those kids that had that freak freak talent I guess back in the day and never tapped into it until I was was that age so yeah my my swimming career and my aquatics industry journey actually started when I was 11 or 12. Wow that's amazing I mean and then just be able to go so quickly through the ranks. So quick yeah well. really quick yeah. You know, these days we know that it takes kids a long time to get to that level and they start them a lot younger. I never had the interest of swimming when I was a child until I was on that doctor's order to get into the water. Yeah, so you're more forced in than anything, really? Yeah, it was actually to, to, to help with my growth, yeah. Yeah, so do you ever, did you ever go back and thank your doctor? <laughs> no, no, I didn't actually. I'm, bless his cotton socks, he'd be well and truly passed over by now, but... <laughs> um, no, no, I never did. Once we left, left Sydney, that was it. We never went back. <laughs> <laughs> so then how did you go from when you were at young, you said, um, and gone into the competitive side to nationals, then where did you go from there? Yeah, that was tough. That was a tough, tough gig because young back in the day then was only a seasonal pool. So we used to train, you know, twice a day, six times a week, yada, yada, yada. So the... I guess the formalities really from base coaching haven't changed too much since then. But because it was a seasonal pool, I used to have to travel to Wagga to train at an army base in the off season. Um, and you had to be selected for squads and all that type of stuff. So I went through that process. And I guess at that time in that seasonal pool, I then started knowing the, I guess, the ropes of how the pool worked because we were always there when it opened. We were always there when it closed. We are always involved in swim club. We are always involved in water polo. Every activity that was on in that, that environment, in that aquatic environment, we are always a part of. So I guess my career started then because then I stepped into the learn to swim shoes and starting to help the junior kids in mini squads while we were the senior kids and and being the I guess the club captain and 
you know, being chosen to fill that role. And yeah, I guess the, the journey kind of started there from a career perspective. And to be honest, throughout all the years that I have been working in aquatics, I've only left the industry for, I think it was maybe a period of three or four years, if that, and that was the move to gym management. And then I came back to aquatics anyway. Wow, that's amazing. That's a fantastic story. Mm. That's something I'd love to be able to push more here um, in the country area is that whole, and I mean, every swim coach would love the fact that their seniors are giving back to their young kids um, and developing that learn to swim side and it all becomes one sort of big oiled machine. That Yeah, yeah and that's exactly what we did. So, and, and that was in a small country town in New South Wales. And I know your understanding about swimming in an um, army barracks pool. So where I trained in South Australia, the Woodside Army Barracks, and you'd have to go in the gateway and sign in. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned in your swimming journey? Probably, I guess, if, if you're good at something and you find that niche, you've got to stick with it. You've got to practice it. You've got to train. I guess the biggest lesson I learned was to never negate anyone's advice that they gave to you with, within industry because you could always pick and pull from that. And I did that even as a 14, 15-year-old kid. Always look at it, for, I guess, from a different perspective. And at the end of the day, I guess, it's also taught me to dedicate what I love to a career because that's what I've done. It's that the dedication, the purpose, the team environment that I learned way back then and has also brought me into my my adult life I guess and the advice I received back then I do now so for others that are coming into this industry if I've got something to give back to them well then I'll give back I'll say hey how about you try this or do that just like they did when I was 14 15 years of old starting you know starting that journey in in aquatics that's amazing. It's great. You can give back and develop the kids. And I don't see any point in holding them back. Like even when I go on a holiday and I'm watching kids swim in the pool and they're not mine, I'll be like, hi, yeah, can I help you? Like, let's, let's just try it this way. You're always, always trying to give back to, to someone because you know, there's no point in keeping that knowledge and, you know, foresight in your head when in hindsight you can pass it on to the next generation. It'll make our whole industry better. So, no, that's fantastic. That's great. And it's lovely that you've been able to do that. So what's been the highlight of your swimming journey so far? As a swimmer myself, it was probably when I was 14 and I actually came from young to Chandler to do my first nationals. And we, we got to taper in the pool that Kieran Perkins was at way back when. And we had the photo with him and he did a dive session with us. And, you know, I still, I've still got the photo of him standing next to his little maroon red Mazda car. The three of us that, that qualified from young came up together with as in a group because um, back then that was what you did that was never single travel we're always on a bus we're always as a as a club not as an individual that's what the the foreground and the and the roots of the clubs miss that they don't all do that anymore mm. um but we did that even when we traveled for nationals and and coming to swim up there with him <laughs> was probably one of the biggest things as a 14 year old girl I was like Woo! <laughs> it was all you know, oh, I met Karen Perkins type stuff. So in industry back in those days was when he was, you know, top of the chain. That was probably one of the biggest highlights as a participant. In my adult life, it would probably have to be being nominated for a state and national award as a presenter and getting both of those awards. Oh, fantastic. Um, state for Queensland and national as a presenter of the year. So that was back in 2015. So a couple of years ago now, but yeah. So both highlights, one from being as a swimmer and one from my career, I guess. That's fantastic. Congratulations on your awards. That's brilliant. Mm, yeah, it was good fun. Big night. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. 
I love how, as well, you're saying with like Kieran Perkins, because my era is probably just after him. He was just finishing up when I started really getting interested in swimming. Because then I talk about things like him, but also Klimi, um, Thorpey, those sort of... Oh, yeah, yeah. And people look at me like, who are you talking about? Like, it's, yeah, that sort of history of it and the ones we remember when we were young to what they're going to be remembering now. So, great. To That's start. right. G- generational. So, is there anyone in your journey that played a big role in both your swimming and your career or? Probably as a swimmer, it would have been my dad. My dad was one of those people that you could never replace. He was the gentleman. He was of that older era. He'd pull your chair out and, and having a, a daughter that was quite up there as an athlete, he was also involved. He was always the first one to put his hand up and, you know, I'll do timekeeping or I'll do marshalling or I'll tell the kids to pull their head in or, you know, whatever. And it got to the point where he was, you know, everyone knew Mr. Mac, especially <laughs> down south, because back in those days, he was always having to be in whites and longs and, you know, the hat on the head. And he ended up becoming chief timekeeper through country, uh, through, I guess, the championships back then were, were club level, regional level, country level and state level before you move through to nationals so a little bit different to how it's kind of panned out now but he was at that chief timekeeper level and he was always there doing it with a smile on his face and I guess he was a bit of an influence because I'd always see him watching me in the background he's a man of very few words but if he was that chief timekeeper taking position one two and three he'd always check my time and no matter where we were driving home he'd go ah you dropped on that pb I'm like how do you even know you had 700 <laughs> with me and you know that I dropped on a pb seriously so I guess the way that he took that initiative and the interest, but at the back door. And it was really good to do that. And I do that now, ironically enough, with my own kids. Like they think I don't watch, but you do. You sit back and you watch. And he was just, poor bloke could give you sh- his shirt off his back. And he's just a lovely, lovely person. He's just a nice person. And I hope that, you know, I've taken some of those traits too. But from my career perspective, I don't know, I don't really have anyone. There's been a lot of people that have helped me become the trainer that I am in regards to a single mentor I can't really put one person out there was one lady that started my journey with this and I worked with her for quite a number of years um and she, I guess she taught me what to do and what not to do. And I did decide to leave her and go out on my own. Very, very knowledgeable person. And, and I took away from that what I could. But I've also learned from a mentor perspective, working with different RTOs and which RTOs suits my business and the way I train the best too. So if you don't believe in a product, you're not going to do it very well. So, you know, I guess in that respect, there's been, been a few. I mean, I've got one main mentor and then there's a lot of other people that have expanded my knowledge in swimming. And like yourself who have messaged or emailed and you've just gone, okay, calm down. And then there's lots of other people that I've gone, oh, what do you think of this? And I know one of mine is Hayden Belshaw from um, New South Wales. He's a New South Wales coach. And even things like when I was at the ASTA conference last year, I sat on the table next to him and I said, oh, look, I'm looking to expand my swim school, my summer swim school into another pool. And he said, what you need to realise is that the swim school, if you expand it becomes about swim school and it's not about how you train or how you take about the business and you've got to make sure the business is more sound so I think you know just simple like I don't always contact him as much as I contact Joanne Love but yeah there's always people behind you it might be someone you just go and chat to at a conference and they'll give you a bit of information they're always there to help you out that's it there's always that it could just be that one liner that makes you just stop and think and that's sometimes all it all it needs to be Yeah, those people that know. And it might just be that you've had, that person's had knowledge working with someone like you. Okay, this is how you think. And it just makes you think and makes you click. Yeah, that's it. What advice would you give a new lifeguard or swim teacher that you're training? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> How long do we have? <laughs> How long's a piece of string? Oh, look, at the end of the day, the biggest thing for these guys, and I guess because I have turned to the the training side of things and my business is now, you know, modelled around presenting and facilitating all these courses, I think to a new lifeguard or a swim teacher, I would always say to them to never stop learning. There's, as even at, at my level, like people, and, and you'd know yourself, you, you sit in a course and people look up and they're like, oh, wow, well, I really want to have your job. But they don't realise how much has gone into that for 20, 25, 30 years prior to be able to get to that stage. And even, you know, moving forward for me, another 20 years down the track, every year, every day, I'm going to learn something different. And if I shut my mind off to that, then I wouldn't be doing the job that I'm doing. So my biggest piece of advice to to both of them in in this industry, aquatic space at all, is to always be prepared to keep learning, to love your job. You've got to love your job. If you don't like your job or love your job, then there's no point in doing it. And unfortunately, our industry is such a high risk industry. If you don't love what you do, it's going to cost a life. And that's from a lifeguard perspective or a swim teacher perspective. It's not going to matter. Even coaching, if these people that we put through these courses and we're trying to educate switch off, then unfortunately that's where things go go pear-shaped. And that that comes with experience, I guess. But the other thing I other thing I'd say to them coming through the industry is because it's quite intimidating to come in to an industry that they've never done before but if they've got that open mind and they're open to learning then my other piece of advice would be to say to them to never be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid to say i don't know how to do that don't be afraid to say i've never done that before and make sure that they're never complacent take the time to ask people above you that you know have got experience regardless of the fact that you know how busy they are is to always ask a question because that's how you're always going to learn and the two are always going to be intertwined that's fantastic. I really like that. And I think it came home with me because I'm the type that I've got no patience. So I've, like you said, I saw someone presenting. I'm like, man, I'd love to be able to do that. And then mentor people through. And I think to know to sit back and just ask those questions if you don't understand, but yeah. take the time, be patient about it. I think is also a great comment. Learn everything in the day. You've got to be able to, especially for a new swim teacher and a new lifeguard is just even if they take one or two things home with them at the end of every shift well then that's going to build i think also when i came in there's a lot of people that have been in the industry for a long time and they a lot of people will say you know i've been in here for this long and this is how we've always done it and i I got quite scared or intimidated by them it doesn't matter one of the things that if you come and do one of our classes one of the things we teach is that it's this thing called creeping normality and it becomes the normal because that's the way they've always done it. And that's not always necessarily the right thing to do. So when, regardless, new people or people that have been in the industry forever, the advice that I give them is if you're going to question it, then just question it and question it the right way. Ask for the advice. Bring these, these topics up to people that are above you or that, you know, they are your mentors or whatever. Ask the question. There's no harm in asking. Like, I suppose it's what we put, the impression we put on it. So I looked at these people and thought, oh, they've been in the industry 30, 40, 50 years. You know, why would they want to give me the information? But they do. They want to pass it on. Absolutely. They want to see the industry build. So don't be scared of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Ask the question. 
That's fantastic. Oh, you're coming up with great answers. I love it. (laughs) So what do you think are the four most important qualities to have when you're lifeguarding or swim teaching? So I'm asking about swim teaching too, because I know you've got a background on that side of it. Well, the first thing comes back to the question I just answered, to be there's to always be willing to learn. I'm still learning every day. I'm now with, you know, the current world global situation that we're in, I've got to relearn everything as well. So regardless, new, old, being in industry, forever always be willing to learn in both roles i i would say never to be complacent um again because complacency in both those positions will cost a life and if you're complacent in both of those two you're not going to give people that you are being involved with or be it kids students or just members of the public as a lifeguard you're not giving them the best version of you so if you become complacent with that then those outcomes struggle as well i guess enjoy your job would be another one be a great quality to have because if you enjoy your job you're going to portray that you're going to portray that enthusiasm you're going to portray the happiness you're going to portray the fact that you're knowledgeable you're going to portray a lot of things that people will look to you for and the fourth one is to be happy no point in whinging because no one's going to listen anyway and I think like you've expanded a lot of things there and to love your job there's so many people out there that don't um so to take on and what you've done is taken on your whole life your hobby your sport and then also build a career out of it. I think it's amazing to be able to give that opportunity to people. So, yeah, that's it. And in all essence, I'm pretty lucky that I've been able to to expand that from being a gangly little looking giraffe with a bung knee <laughs> to now enjoying a career and running my own business. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How from where you start, where you can get to. And you've still that's got it. so much more out there to do. That's it. <laughs> but why should we choose the Asta Lifeguard course? So you're a really great trainer in the Asta Lifeguard and I know that because I've been through your course. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coming back because I'm slow, but I'm coming back to do it again. We will get you there 100%. <laughs> I just got to um, get over Easter and all these Easter eggs. So why should we be choosing the Astro course, which um, you've helped develop? Oh, look, obviously you have to choose the Astro one because I've had a little bit of input in writing it. But the reasons that it was written is because it's new, it's different, it's innovative. And I guess it's a course that we've been able to write to contextualise to every facility. And that's, that's a big gap that we've had in this industry for quite a number of years where, you know, we've been told what we have to do, how we have to do it, and regardless of where we're doing it at. And I guess Asta saw the gap in the fact that being such a large organisation that there is that gap between city-based quality and regional-based quality, let alone remote. So there's three different levels for that. And the ASTA course itself can can comply with all three of those, those areas in this country and still remain compliant and still have the highest quality of, of, of level of training. And that doesn't take away from the city versus the country or the country versus the city or remote versus regional or whatever it's just an opportunity to be able to teach these skill sets that in this course are attainable and designed so that we can do on the job training with this lifeguard course contextualized to these lifeguards that are working in these different types of facilities i guess that's you know the other upshot of this lifeguard course is that we 
we encourage these guards to ask questions, whether they're new or they're old or they're changing industries and coming into the aquatics for the first type of job that they've ever done outside of their normal stuff. And we ask them to be a part of the risk management stuff and writing EAPs and being involved in that level because they're the ones that are at the forefront. They're the ones that are watching these people in the pools. They're the ones that are, you know, recognising when people are in trouble in the water and they're the ones that are empathising and helping with these people to be able to provide them with a, a nice experience in our aquatic facilities. So, look, for me, it's it's been a huge, huge wake-up to be able to see these guards grow from coming into a new product, uh, we'll go and do the after one, and oh, not so much questioning, but oh, I guess it is questioning, querying whether or not it's going to work, and then being able to see them on the second day and then at their PD sessions, just flourishing and owning it because they've been taught these different ways for their facility. And that's, you know, we've been rolling it out now for oh, 18 months, if not a little bit longer. Um, and going back to, to to clients that we've retained and seeing their skill set 12 months later is just, it's amazing to see the confidence that they've got and the confidence in that skill set and in their environment. So yeah, I guess choosing the ASTA courses is different. It is different because we haven't been at the forefront on that platform for quite some time. But I tell you what, we're building to the forefront of that platform and I can't wait to see how that will roll out at the next conference. That's going to be amazing. And it is, I think I love it because it's just a fresh perspective and like you contextualise, not, I mean, coming from a regional area, well, I'm rural, but I know a lot about regional ones too. And it's, it is different. Um, And a lot of the time it's been seen as it's one or the other. It's metro or it's regional. And metro's always had a lot more and, oh, they've got more chances and everything. And I think I like how it's as to have developed it. There's no disadvantage. Um, it's actually building to your area's advantage. Yeah, that's right. Contextualise it. If we're not teaching skill sets that they need for that, that area, there's no point in teaching them. And that's, you know, we could go and teach someone how to make a coffee and make it in a such short period of time for 400 people, which might all be good and well for the city, but the regional areas are never going to have that. So what's the point in teaching us? And that's what we've taken into account in developing this stuff for Aster. And the fact that the other other reason to choose it, I guess, is because it will lead on to other skill sets within the same industry. So swim teachers will gain from the lifeguard course. Coaches will gain from the lifeguard course. Pool plan operators will gain from the lifeguard course. And now all that stuff can be brought under the one banner, which a lot of other organisations can't offer. And, and that's the whole part of ASTA. They can go into different areas and they can learn from everything. But And trainers can also, like ones like myself, who have a lot of skill sets behind us, can use different parts from what we've learned from different courses and build them into the other parts. So I look in, so when I go to my local pool here over summer, because like you said, we're summer only. And I mean, the most people we get, you'd be looking at 100 a day, if that. And it could be 20 people here. And, and that's amazing. If you get 100 people through your pool, it's, well, that's been a busy day. I go down to Melbourne through MSAC and things like that. 
the big pools there and you know they get a hundred every half an hour and that's right the whole difference of that we're never going to have that experience but then on the other hand no. we've got so little people coming in they can get complacent and especially i know if i go into pools i know a lot of the young kids so i'll chat to them and sort of get to know them more but then they can be and they know i'm a swim teacher so they can become a bit more complacent that's something that yeah we've got to work so even though they've got the less numbers it doesn't mean that they're any better off no not of any less value not at all and that's what we've tried to instill with this course is it doesn't matter if there's you know one person in your pool or 301 person in your pool that one person can still drown so it's about being able to get them into that mindset as well that they're just as important as as anyone else so for you moving on um and i suppose looking at it after COVID 19 but also um way into the future of how you see swimming changing or how you see it in the future and also the training side and how we'll train differently. You know, even in a five, ten years after COVID's been, how that will look different. I think we've, we've started to, from a training perspective, I mean, because I've been involved with it already, I think we're already starting to look at different ways to, to train. Online is obviously because of COVID has become quite popular and, and moving forward, the assessment processes are going to have to change. I think once once COVID is, is dealt with and there's a definitive answer as to moving forward when we can get back to what is classed as normal life, our assessment processes and stuff is still going to kind of remain the same because we're now working smarter rather than working harder I think we'll be looking at you know more on the job stuff so that these kids are are working on the job and they will have the mentors and stuff that we'll have to follow follow through with them I think we'll go go that way a lot more and I think that's not going to be a bad thing because with if anything learning from COVID you're learning to to live with minimal and and time is is not of the essence anymore so I think that those type of things that we'll take from COVID hopefully will transfer into industries and not just aquatics I think it'll transfer in everywhere but being able to deliver these courses in a different more innovative way um, and that will include the online stuff as well and then and setting people up to to practice and learn on the job which isn't going to be a bad thing because we've already started to implement that with the lifeguard stuff prior to COVID so we've we've been on the on the right track as ASTA as an RTO. I think swimming itself from a competitive point of view Look, I don't know how much it will change. I think it'll still evolve. I think that it'll look pretty similar to what we're doing. I just think that they're, look, at the end of the day, we live on an island. So <laughs> with the fact that, that swimming is always going to be a part of our life, um, it's always going to be there. It's just going to be, I guess, on what capacity. I don't know whether or not numbers will drop off or pick up after COVID. I think that's the question for every industry, not just aquatics. Um, the only industry as, as that are safer, as we know, are our essential workers type industries. But for us, I think moving forward, it'll still be the competitive Aussie nature that we have. We have to be top of the game. We'll always stay that one step in front. And I think that's what ASTA can provide from those grassroots level working all the way through as long as they stay on top of the game as the world sits now during the COVID pandemic. I think training is going to have to change and look different and how people, I mean, people are learning in different ways now. And there's always been a lot of information about that and a lot of investigation into how to learn. So I think it's always 
going to be changing anyway. The way technology is made um, and COVID-19 tends to sort of push that forward, I think, probably. But it's yeah, not a nice thing. little spanner in the works. Yeah, <laughs> just to wake us all up. So my last question for you, and I suppose um, for me, the background of this question is more uh, before COVID-19, there was a lot of talk out there about not so much funding for sports um, and swimming was one that wasn't getting really much funding at all. And like any business, it's sort of got to be able to generate that money as well um, out of its own income. So the question I'm asking is, how do you think we can as an industry promote and develop swimming and the sport and the training side of it and the careers um, and succeed of doing this without much funding? Depends on your, I guess, your definition of much funding. I think the government will step up in every aspect now with COVID. So the answer to the question prior to COVID versus after the after COVID is probably going to be two different answers. But for the moment, I think as an industry, the peak bodies kind of need to leave from the top, and not just Asta. I, I think all of them do. The majority of them are not for profit, which you know also hinders that that funding process. And now, post COVID, it might be an opportunity for them to have to change their business models I don't know but I guess the peak bodies need to lead from the top they need to be seen they need to be heard so that they get more people into every aspect of our industry not just competitive swimming but now to learn to swim the leasees the pool operators that type of thing make it appealing not daunting and maybe start from the bottom and branch out from that I guess and then again it comes down to the fact that we're in a lucky country and we are surrounded by water so swimming is always going to be in our lives that's not going to change and it's always going to be part of our society which is need to I think as a community to make it a bit more or to work together to make it a bit more attainable for everybody and that starts I think with these peak bodies and then working down through the, the governments the state and the national and federal and and once all this COVID stuff is over is how much they can put into those type of you know funding agreements and I think it also comes down to the people that you've got in the boat too so the people that are steering the boats the people that are asking the questions for the funding and how they're going about that and and getting those expertise into that to help the industry grow moving forward that's fantastic and exactly like you said it's the people that are in it in the boat how they're looking at the questions they're asking how they're looking for the funding but and I think also starting from the grassroots side of it so you know looking back right where at ground level um, and not just looking I suppose at you know your peak parts your elite swim the elite side of it it's going to start lower than that yeah yep how we can develop it from the ground up a bit more yeah thank you very much Lisa it's been absolutely amazing you're a wealth of knowledge um, <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> just to be able to get a little snippet of um, what's going in your brain that's amazing and thank you for your time and being able to offer that to us and the insights I think it's great to get um, what you know in the industry industry knowledge you've experienced you've been part of it now for some time and it's yeah it's developed you see it from a lot of different angles so thank you very that's much. It. you're welcome so again, I'd like to thank Lisa Rolls for coming on and chatting to us today. She has an amazing wealth of knowledge with over 20 years of experience in the training industry. And if you want to find out more information about her courses, uh, log on to savinglivesaustraliawide.com.au. There's a list of the courses there that she um, trains, including emergency first aid response and CPR, normal CPR, infant and child CPR, anaphylaxis and asthma training, and lifeguard training, 
and other courses. So jump on board. She's also on Facebook. So contact her today if you're looking for any courses that you want to run. Well, thank you again for listening. It's been absolutely great to share some of the knowledge with you and to find out more about Lisa and what she does in the aquatic industry. Listen again for our next episode. And I can't wait to have you on board again. Thanks. Bye.